0: first Sunday of a new year where I'm preaching a sermon. And every sermon for 40 years on the first Sunday out of the gate after the New Year's has been a challenge to the people of God on how to live the new year. And so I thought, this video sets me up great. In fact, I borrowed the title from my sermon, Don't Blink. And when I think that 40 years have gone by since my first New Year's sermon, it's like I blinked and it's over already. But Let me ask you a question. How many of you made a New Year's resolution this year? May I see your hands? You made a resolution. Okay. Not as many as used to. I think we've kind of learned that most of us fall off the wagon in a hurry, but for those of you who uh, made New Year's resolutions, I used to. Uh, I don't anymore. I just checked my pile on my file, and I found out New Year's resolution of eight of them. I just saw them the other day that I made about five, six years ago. Eight of them, I only got two of them done and became a source of guilt for me, so I just laid back. I don't make him anymore. But at least, you know, we can laugh at New Year's resolutions instead of feel guilty about it. So I, I brought a few along that uh, these aren't mine, but we can laugh at some resolutions and not feel guilt. And here's one of them that we often feel guilty on is dieting. Make a year, New Year's resolution and lose a little weight. 2011, I will get my weight down below 180 pounds. 2012, I will follow my new diet religiously until I get below 200 pounds. 2013, I will develop a realistic attitude about my weight. 2014, I will work out three days a week. 2015, I will drive by the gym at least three times a week. Here's a similar resolution. My resolution for 2015 is to accomplish the resolutions I made in 2014, which I should have done in 2013 because I promised them in 2012 and plan to do them in 2011. How about this one? I will remember that stressed spells, spelled backwards is desserts. <laughs> oh, boy, if, you, if you're like me, you know what that's all about. And then I like this prayer the morning after the resolution someone made on New Year's Eve. Dear Lord, so far this year, I've done well. I haven't gossiped. I haven't lost my temper. I haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm very thankful for that. But in a few minutes, Lord, I'm going to get out of bed, and from then on, I'm going to probably need a whole lot more help from you. Amen. (laughs) For many of us, that's about how long the New Year's resolution lasts until the beginning of the next morning, and it's a hard thing. No wonder... Someone made a play on words that looks like this. A New Year's resolution is something that goes in one year and out the other. (laughs) They're hard things to do. But you know, no matter what, the years fly by. It doesn't matter whether we make a resolution or not. they I mean, I look at 2014. It was a blur. For many of you who know me now for over a year, it's been a year today that I was hobbled by kidney stones, and I found out that one of my adult children (laughs) This is incredible. I was going to say, had a bad stumble, and that was almost timed perfectly to that. But it's been a year ago today that that happened, and it's like I blinked and the year was over. There were times, I have to admit, that I thought it was standing perfectly still, and I would never get through 2014. But when it was all said and done, Kenny Chesney's words were so appropriate, don't blink because the year was over. Before I knew it, there was no time to blink, which leads me to the subject of birthdays. How many plan to have a birthday this year? Yeah, okay, a few more than the resolutions. All right. There are two types of birthday people in this auditorium today, in this worship center. Number one is the non-counters, and the other one are the counters. The non-counters is that it's just another year, more presents, a whole lot more fun. I'm not even thinking about anything, but life is coming and I'm enjoying it. They are the non-counters, 30 and below. they are not thinking about anything except I love my birthday. I, on the other hand, am a, am a counter. About age 50, I realized that if I double my age, I'll be 100, and that age 50, uh, if I live to be the national norm at 75, that I've got more birthdays behind me than I got in front of me, and all of a sudden you say, oh, man, there's another year coming, another year coming, and I became a counter. When we passed that imaginary line, we realized that our life is over halfway lived, regardless of which group you are in. The counters know it more than the non-counters. You need to know something about birthdays and years. Life is a fast trip. You're a kid, and then you're a young adult, and then you're a middle-aged adult, and then you're an older adult, and you're a senior, and all that. And life goes by in a hurry, like a speeding bullet. And it's good to reinforce in a day in which this 102-year-old man said, it's really going by like a bullet With all the technology and and the learning curve and all the violence and sin and everything else out there, life is going by fast. And so the big idea of my challenge today is that life is a fast trip. Make the most of it. Or to put it in a negative way, you only get 15 minutes of fame somewhere. Don't blow it. Our days go so quickly. And God knew that we as human beings would need to be reminded over and over again. So what does he do in the Bible? He keeps peppering the Bible from the Old Testament into the New Testament with notices about how fast our life is lived. And so I want us to stand right now in honor of God's Word, and we're going to read together on the screen, together these reminders that God put before us. And so join me as we start. My days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle. Childhood and the prime of life are fleeting. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Lord, make me to know my end and what is the measure of my days. Let me know how fleeting I am. Behold, you have made my days as a few hand breaths and my lifetime as nothing before you. Surely all mankind stands as a mere breath. The years of our life are 70 or even by reason of strength, 80. They are soon gone and we fly away. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field, for the wind passes over it and it is gone and its place knows it no more. Man is like a breath. His days are like a passing shadow. All flesh is like grass and its like the flower of grass. The grass withers and the flower falls, but the word of our God will stand forever. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. You may be seated. Now I know what some of you are thinking. Hey, I came in here with a positive mental outlook and now you're gonna tell me how soon I'm gonna die. (laughs) That's not what I'm doing, there's good news is the reality is life is a fast trip. I want you to make the most of that trip. I don't want you to be living in regret as you get into your 50s and 60s and say, I blew it and uh, my life is basically over. I don't want you to be that way. I want to encourage you to make the most of your life. And so my goal today is to help you not to blink. I want you to be able to live to the fullest every single day, because life does go by so fast. And so for a few moments, I want to give you a few biblical teachings about the speed of life. And then I want to go into some practical applications, seven of them, as suggestions that what you might do to grab a hold of life every day and live it for the fullest. So there are three facts that I want to share from God's Word with you to set the stage. Fact number one is regardless of our lifespan, our days go so quickly. If you live to be 60... If you live to be 100, it doesn't matter. The days go so fast. And there's a message that we saw that we just all read together. Life at its best is a fast trip. It goes in a hurry, and the march of time is relentless. I went to Grace Church in 1978, began my pastorate there, and there was this guy in the church by the name of Vance Brooks. And uh, time went on, and 30 years went by, and I went to visit him on his 99th birthday in 2006. And he was an incredible man for 99. He was as sharp as a tack. He had wit. He loved to work on the computer. And uh, by then, time had aged him into a shriveled-up little ball that kind of just sat with dangling legs on a wheelchair. But we had a great time, and we talked, and he talked about his life. And then he says, You know, Pastor Al, 99 years went so fast. I said, Vance, wow, yeah, it really went fast. I said, here's what we're going to do. Next year, on your 100th birthday, I'm going to bring a camera crew with me, and you're going to tell the church some of the lessons you learned in 100 years of your life, including how fast life goes so people shouldn't waste their days. He said, bring it on. I want to do that for the church. And so, guess what happened? Two weeks before his 100th birthday, he fell. He broke his hip. He went into surgery, and he died. Never got a chance to talk to the church, but I did at his funeral. And so they gathered for the funeral, and I got to talk about Vance Brooks, and everybody was appreciating this man. And then I said, and if he had the opportunity to talk to you right now, he would tell you how fast 100 years goes by. So let's consider 100 years for a moment against the backdrop of other things. 100 years in the span of the 20th century since Christ lived. If you were to put that 100 years and make it the equivalency of a 24-hour day, 100 years in that 24-hour day would be 1.2 hours, and that's all it would be, 100 years since the time of Christ uh, lived. And if you were to consider 100 years in the 4,000 years of recorded history, you would have 36 minutes out of a 24-hour day. It goes awfully fast. And if you were to put uh, 100 years next to creation, no matter how you calculate that, it would just be seconds in a 24-hour period. And if you put that 100 years in eternity, not even a nanosecond, 100 years goes fast. And so I got to thinking, whoa, I'm pretty far away from 100, but I'm inching closer every year. I'm 66. I never thought that I would see 66, but here I am. And I thought my grandparents would be around all the time, and they are long gone. And one of the realities is that my parents' generation are fading from the scene. In fact, look at the World War II heroes. We're losing them every day, and there aren't that many of them left. And I was thinking about my elementary teachers and my high school teachers and my college and seminary teachers. Many of them are gone and all of them retired. And then I thought about pop music. And TV shows, the Beverly Hillbillies, Donna Douglas, you know, uh, she passed away just this week. Uh, you know, all these shows and the movie stars and the athletes of the 50s and 60s are memories and reruns and records and broken records. And then I thought about all the cars that we had growing up in the 50s and 60s. And some of you are older than me go back to the 20s, 30s, 40s, and they're all gone, except if you have one, they're worth a lot of money. And then I got to thinking, if 7 a.m., were the time of my birth and midnight, the time of my death, and I got to live 85 years. I'd be pushing 8 o'clock at night right now. I don't like that. Don't blink. The years go by so fast. Billy Graham is now 96 years of age, and one day he was asked, Billy, what is the surprise of your life? And without a moment's hesitation, he said, it's brevity. It went by so fast life seems so long but in reality the bible says and experience tells us it is a quick ride and the lie the lie and the myth of our culture is that we are forever young and we won't get old and we won't die that's not the truth but we're all in the same boat and if we didn't have god in the gospel of eternal life we'd be depressed right now <laughs> and wonder what will we be doing But we are people of the ages. We who know Christ, we have a few days, and then we live in the forever eternal tomorrow. And so I want you to know that life is a fast trip. The Bible tells us unapologetically we need to understand that. But he comes along with a second fact. The second fact is the number of our days is determined by God. God knows all the number of our days. We don't get in on that secret, but he knows it. He knows the day of our birth, and he knows the day of our death. And Job 14, 5, speaking of mankind, says, His days are determined. The number of his months is with you, and you have appointed his limits that he cannot pass. And David said in Psalm 139 and verse 16, In your book, God's book, were written every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. And so God knows how long we're going to live. He knows every day. They are already in his book. And so we don't get a chance to weigh in on that. Now, I can't say I understand all that goes on with the number of the days, with all the complexities we see with modern science and, and ages going longer and people living longer and some people dying younger than in 70 years. I don't understand all that. All I know is that the Bible says God knows all of our days and has determined them. But I also want you to see something about that determination. It is the grace of God that he doesn't tell us how many days he knows we're going to live. For instance, you go to the hospital and you're a couple and you have a baby. And you name him Tommy. And along with that birth comes this little certificate out of heaven that says, Now Tommy is going to get 13,645 days. That, that came from God. Suppose that would happen. When you get your baby, you get the number of days God knows he's going to live. And you're thinking, six th- six, uh, 13,645 days, that's a pile of days, God, thank you. And you run home from the hospital, you get your calculator out. And all of a sudden you realize, that's just 37 years. Tommy's going to die when he's 37. And so at his 12th birthday, you he say, hey, Tommy, um, open up your presents and I want to tell you something that God told us when you were born. You're only going to live to 37. Think he'd be happy? No. God is gracious. He doesn't tell. Just imagine what life would be if we had to live with the knowledge of the day of our death. God is gracious, but He knows that. And so, in a way, almost through the back door, He comes to us and says, You're going to die someday. I know when. Don't squander your good days. Which leads us to the eternal day, fact three. God's days are vastly different than our days. And we have to understand that our day is 24 hours. God's day is everlasting, everlasting. And so the psalmist says, Psalm 90, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God, but you return man to dust. Psalm 103, 15 and 17, as for man, his days are like grass, but the steadfast love of the Lord is everlasting. Everlasting. Psalm 90 verse 4 is repeated in 2 Peter chapter 3. It says, with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. And so God's time is entirely different, and we need to dial into his time to make any sense out of our days at all. And what's the the takeaway? Is that we need to know Christ as our personal Savior to get into his kind of day. Because if we don't know Christ as our Savior, we will never get into the eternal day and live with Him forever. And the days we live here will be squandered and eternity will be lost. We never want to get in that predicament. And so the Word of God says, don't blink. So three key facts about the days of our lives. They go incredibly fast. Number two, God knows the exact number of them. Number three, our days are nothing compared to eternity, so make the most of them while we live them. So the lesson today, in light of all that teaching, is don't blink. Now I learned something in seminary that has stayed with me all of these years as the primary lesson as I share my suggestions so that you won't blink in your life, that one and only life that you get. And here's my advice. Live today as though it were your last day but that you had a lifetime of them to live. Live today as though it were your last day, but that you had a lifetime of those to live. Put this way scripturally, the psalmist said in 90 and verse 12, so teach us to number our days that we may get a heart of wisdom. So how would you live if it were your last day? I wish I had time to put you all in groups of four and five so that you could kind of buzz back and forth and say, hey, here's what I would do. Here's what I would do. We don't have that luxury today of time. So I'm going to give you seven suggestions quickly that might help you to live today for all that it's worth so that you don't blink, but that you had many, many, many of those kinds of days to live. So if it were your last day, suggestion number one, spend some time with God. I mean, if I knew this were my last day, I'd be checking in with the Lord real quick and say, well, Lord, it's my day, and I'll be seeing you real soon. I want to kind of prime the pump right now that I'll be with you very shortly, and I I want to commune with you something that I'll be doing forever and ever. Well, probably it isn't our last day today, but why wouldn't you want to do that anyway? Today, why wouldn't you want to get with a God of the creation, the the God of the universe, the creator of the universe, and spend some time in His Word and spend some time in prayer with Him and some time in meditation, enjoying His presence and do it every day until He calls the day that you die. Suggestion number two, if you had one, this was your last day, spend some day, spend some time with your family and friends, your close friends. I mean, I, if I knew this was my last day, I probably wouldn't be here preaching today. I'd be back in the area with my wife and my family, and I'd say, you know, this is my last day, and I'm going to be with you. This is my priority. The church will get by without us, but, you know, you've got to make some decisions. There are priorities every day that you've got to decide, how am I going to live my, my life with the closest people around me? Don't mortgage your relationship away. Take time to be with them. Men defense you're only a heartbeat away, don't don't get rid of those moments that you can have with the people you love. Number three, if it were your last day, get on the right path if you're not. Jesus talks about the narrow way. The Word talks about the way of righteousness and following God's commandments and watching out how you live for His glory. If you, are no, if you know you're on the wrong road today, if you know you are on the broad way that leads to destruction, if you are, know that you are in the pathway of sin, Psalm chapter 1, you need to do something about that or you're Blinking. You need to step out of that bad spot into the sweet spot. You need to step away from those friends who are pulling you down to friends that will lift you up. Life is too short, and you can't wait until next year to do that. You've got to do it today because you don't know when your number is up. It's so important to live each day for the glory of God. Suggestion number four, if it were your last day, avoid workaholism. Now, I know that there are some lazy people in the world, but I don't think they're here in this church. Probably more than not, you're working too hard. You might be working too many long hours every day. You might be working too many days in a row. Guess what God did? He worked hard for six days, and he said, I'm taking the seventh day off. Give yourself a break. Take some time for yourself. Take some time to recover your strength and enjoy life around you. You need to have some good times because just remember this. You never made a vow to your job that you made to your wife. And so don't take your job so seriously because you know what can happen? You can work 40 years for your job and say, we don't need you anymore. See you later. They don't care. And so you've got to be very careful on how much you work. Number five, if it were your last day. I love this one. Have some fun. Don't take life so seriously. Don't take yourself so seriously. Enjoy life. Laugh. I love what author Nadine Stair wrote in a piece called, If I Had to Live My Life Over. She understood what I'm talking about here. And she writes, I'd be sillier than I've been this trip. I'd take fewer things seriously. I'd take more chances. I'd climb more mountains and swim more rivers. I'd eat more ice cream and less beans. (laughs) I'd perhaps have more actual troubles, but fewer imaginary ones. I've been one of those people who never goes anywhere without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a raincoat, and a parachute. If I had to do it over again, I'd start barefoot earlier in the spring and stay that way later in the fall. I'd ride more merry go rounds. I'd pick more daisies. Good advice. Don't be a stick in the mud. Have some fun and be fun to be around. If it were your last day, suggestion number six, impact eternity. I don't know about you, but I've enjoyed the movie The Gladiator. I can't believe it's been released 14 years ago. I blink and 14 years goes by. But I remember a line that I thought probably would have come out of the Bible. It was a biblical kind of line. When he stood before his troops and he said, What you do in life echoes through eternity. If you don't do anything, it echoes nothing. If you do something that impacts eternity, it stays there. And our hope, friends, is that one day when you get to the other side and when I get to the other side, there'll be people on the other side saying, I am different because I knew that person. They impacted my life. That's what life is all about. A number of years ago, there was a musical called Wicked, the alternative telling of the 1939 film, The Wizard of Oz, and there was a song in there that said, I know I'm who I am today because I knew you, because I knew you, I've been changed for good. Don't blink or life will only be about you. Suggestion number seven, if it were your last day, and even if it's not, accept Jesus Christ as your savior if you haven't once you get life the most important day of your life is not your birth or your wedding or your graduation or the day your children are born or anything like that the most important day of your life is when you meet jesus christ as your savior And you realize that you've been in sin and that you can't save yourself and that Jesus Christ's death on the cross, by faith in that death, he pardons you. He makes you a forever child of God to live with him forever. Your sins are gone. You'll never have to pay your own sin. He took your place, which we'll be reminded of in just a few moments at the communion table. But I will say to you, if you've never met Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and you die, it'll be the biggest blink of your life. And you won't be able to recover from it. And so the Word of God to you today is, as the Apostle Paul would say, I implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Don't blink or eternity will be lost for you. You never want to be in that place. And so the Bible says life is short. I mean really short. There is no time to blink, and none of us knows how many days we have left. We need to live every day to the fullest. I strongly recommend the seven suggestions I made, and if you have better ones, then take those. But don't blink your life away. And as we start year 2015, I believe that most of us are going to realize right now that somewhere we've been blinking, and we got to stop that blink we can't let the years roll by and come to the end of our days and be sorry we wasted a number of them. And I believe that right now you might know where it is you are blinking, and so does God. I don't. So I offer this challenge to all blinkers who might be here today Stop blinking. Stop blinking. Would you bow your heads with me, please, everyone? The beginning of a new year is a great time to make some adjustments. Life is too short, as I said, to blink. Talk to God right now in private. If the Spirit of God is tugging on your heart, confess your blinks to, life, uh, to Him in your life. Decide to follow a suggestion I made or you come up with one of your own, but do something right now before God to examine your blinks as we prepare for communion and then decide to stop blinking in some major area of your life right now, silently, Come before the Lord. Lord, my experience tells me that probably all of us blink too much. As we've had this moment of inventory before You this morning, I pray that maybe every one of us would have some insight of an area that we're blinking that we shouldn't, that we're wasting some time, that we're not impacting, or that we're doing things we shouldn't do, or that we're not making opportunities to help other people like maybe we could that would impact eternity. Help us not to waste our days that go so quickly. God, I pray that as we Inventory our hearts before you today. We would leave this place changed people that blink less. And all God's people said, amen.